These are Grindstaff publishing audio files. Room to Rome, Chapter 18, Denmark, Part 2. Morning came with a kind of melancholy. It was the first time I had retraced my steps and wound up back in a city which I had already been. This time, I was alone. The excitement with which I had explored Copenhagen months earlier had gone, and as I sat up in the bottom bunk of an empty room in the heart of Denmark, I felt a kind of overwhelming dread begin to wash over me. In a couple days, I'd be getting on a boat bound for the end of my journey. There'd be no more endless traveling, no more chaos, no more adventure. I would be going back to a life I had purposefully abandoned, one which I had severed most ties as far as jobs or prospects of the future were concerned. I thought of my family and how they were all I had left back home. They would be overjoyed to welcome me back from my crazy adventure, one which they did not fully understand, but the thought of going back was a departure from the intense self-centeredness which I had been cultivating for almost three months. I think that is why I was feeling so down leading up to getting on the ship to Iceland, at the same time, there is adventure in that last push, the only way to leave a trip of such magnitude. Over coffee, I edited photos and jotted notes, eavesdropped on a conversation in a language I couldn't understand, then left the hostel and began walking in the rain. I trudged through the somber buildings typical of Scandinavian cities, into the downtown area, past Christiania with the dope fiends, along the canal with Poseidon and his crew, the multicolored buildings of Nyhaven, Tavoli, the rush of the central market, through an indoor farmer's market, and made it back to the hostel at the end of the day for happy hour. I drank beers in the corner of the common room that night, looking at the weather forecast for the North Sea and felt twinges of anxiety and exhilaration. There is a monstrous storm hammering Iceland and the Faroe Islands. The entire trip up until that point was footloose and without time constraints, but now, with the storm above me, I had delicate schedules to keep and Mother Nature was on the other side ready to make chaotic what I had hoped to be steady. The train left the main station, the same station which much earlier I had missed my bus to Hamburg, and we rambled on north, crossing many bodies of water, finally arriving in Aarhus midday. By this point in the trip I had given up all hope of planning what I was going to do as far as sights went and walked out of the train station to the docks nearby. Coastal cities drive me crazy in the best possible way. The way they smell, the atmosphere, the ships, it all comes together in a kind of magical way which is irresistible. I think in some capacity is because they act as a stepping off point. Every body of water is a journey waiting to take place. Find a vessel, take the ride, and the unpredictable nature of open water will set a person free. I stood at that dock for nearly an hour, looking at a pristine rainbow and thinking about what tomorrow would bring. It wasn't hard to find my hostel. I checked in and wandered the streets aimlessly trying to pass time. The weather to the north of me and the uncertainty it presented put me in a kind of headspace which preoccupied any thoughts other than travel. Sides could only be an afterthought. With headphones blaring trying to drown the anxiety, I walked past the university, down the along the Latin Quarter, found a used bookstore with a decent English section, and bought Lemoore's Education of a Wandering Man. Past churches, a cemetery, along canals, saw a Christmas tree atop a fort's turret, and wandered around a giant supermarket before making my way back to the hostel. I found the common area of the hostel occupied with a group of Middle Eastern men, all nice and talkative and asking if I knew where the best clubs were. They left leaving a smell of mixed cologne and testosterone behind them as I opened a beer brewed in the city of Aarhus and read the book I had just bought. The book tells a story of an inspiring author going on adventures and using the knowledge picked up along the way to carve out an existence as a writer in the western genre. 
When I read it a couple years earlier, I had no idea where my life would end up. Sitting in a dining room table in Denmark was something I could have never predicted. The alarm rang with shrill clang at 6.45 the following morning. It was travel day. Frantic, I gathered my things, stuffed my long hair up into my beanie, and rushed to the train station. The train to Herschel's left at 7.48. I changed trains three times, each descending in quality and amount of people aboard. The final train shook as it reached its destination. The doors opened and I felt the fury of the storm raging to the north. There is no way a ship would be leaving the northern tip of Denmark that day. Four years previous, I worked as a deckhand on a commercial salmon fishing boat in southeast Alaska. It was summer, so the weather wasn't crazy, but as the season began to close around the end of September, the sea was getting angry. It was during this time when I had my first experience with rough seas. There were times the wind would be so heavy that the crest of the waves would peak and wipe, then the water would get whipped away by the wind. Other times we'd be fishing in seas much too rough for our 40-foot wooden boat, and I'd be looking up at a wave. I would rush to the other side, the wave would crash forcefully, I would rush back, then the other side would get hit. All the while the boat was listing deeply to one side than the other. It was because of those experiences that I knew no ship with a captain in his right mind would leave port on the kind of day Herschel was having. I tried reassuring myself, these people are descended from Vikings. If there were ever any culture who could do it, it'd be them. Ducking my head into the intense howling wind, I circled over toward the stone breakers to get a better look at the severity of the sea. In the bay, behind the large breaker, boats were bobbing and rocking like toys in a bath. Beyond the breakers, a brown sea was breaking savagely with the same white cresting waves I had seen in Alaska when things got gnarly. I took a quick video of the horrendous sight, mostly to check myself later, and turned back to the road completely empty of human life. A supermarket was nearby, so I went in for shelter and supplies. With a few bags of groceries, I found the point of departure for my ferry and began to walk. The wind was relentless as I walked through the small town. I came to the spot on my phone's map which was the main ferry office but was met with an all-encompassing wire fence. Discouraged and willing with anxiety, I walked back to the supermarket, the only place which seemed to have people in it. Once out of the wind, I began to think. I had traveled all the way to the tip of Denmark, a place not on any tourist map and with no accommodation that time of year, and I was alone with my only means of leaving, closed by a fence and a gale-force wind. After some minutes of intense self-loathing, I gathered myself and found an employee of the store. The man was probably in his late thirties with a full black beard and inviting face. I explained my situation to him and without missing a beat he took me into the back and dialed a local taxi driver he knew. In a few minutes I was getting driven to the correct ferry office by a large man with a thick accent who charged an exorbitant fee for the few miles driven. Regardless I thanked the man for the ride and walked up the stairs of the office waiting to see what the verdict would be. With wind rattling the windows I walked up to the desk, showed the clerk my boarding pass to the ferry and was relieved when she accepted it. There would be a few hour delay in departure, but she assured me the ship would leave that day. Ecstatic, I sat amongst a motley crew of people, most of Scandinavian, and tried to keep my mind off the howling wind just on the other side of the windows. As the hours passed, more and more people filled the lobby. Some were Danish, some were Icelandic, one man was from the Middle East, and I was the only native English speaker in the room of about 40 adults and children. Months ago, this would have caused alarm, but after all I had been through, being the only American was no big deal. Hours passed by with no confirmed word. Rumors spread amongst the waiting passengers of delays and cancellations, but no one would officially announce the fate of the ferry passengers. It had begun to get dark and children were falling asleep in makeshift beds laid out on the cold floor of the ferry lobby. With windows rattling at a higher frequency, a timid voice came over the loudspeaker first in Danish, then in English, explaining all the passengers would be ferried to a city an hour away where the ferry awaited our loading. With a confused chatter, we all gathered our belongings, boarded an old-fashioned bus with little heat, and started south in the night. 
Silence filled the bus as our group of strangers were hauled along the dark roads. The lights became more numerous and soon we found ourselves in the small town of Frederickshaven, parked in front of a large dock with multiple ferries in various states of loading and unloading. A military officer walked onto our bus and told us which ferry to load. We quietly obeyed and walked through the cold night's air toward the shimmering behemoth awash with yellow light. I walked through a massive cargo hold already stocked with the all-terrain vehicles and large crates, up flights of stairs and onto the carpeted floors of a passenger ferry. The entire ship was devoid of any kind of human sound. It was like I was alone on my own ship. Looking at my ticket, I quickly found my cabin, a dual bunk bedroom with a friendly artist from Iceland sitting atop the bunk I was about to choose. We spoke briefly before I left to explore the odd sensation of an empty ship. After exploring each floor, I found myself walking into the bar. In the corner was a guy about my age looking out the window. We struck up a conversation and it turned out he was raised in the Faroe Islands and was using the ferry to get back home to his family for the holidays. You have nothing to worry about, he said with almost perfect English. This ferry supplies the Faroe Islands and eastern Iceland with essential supplies. There's nothing that'll stop her from making the trip. We may arrive a bit late, but in all the years I've traveled this route, I've never seen it be canceled. With that, my nerves were relaxed. From his backpack, he produced two cans of warm beer. We drank deeply from the elixir until three in the morning, chatting about everything under the sun. It was conversations like those which meant the most to me. Alone one minute and connecting deeply with a stranger from a different land with a completely different set of views and beliefs, but in the end, able to connect on multiple levels. During those hours, the ship remained deathly quiet. Only the forklifts outside our ship's walls were moving and making any kind of noise. I walked into my cabin and was greeted with three men snoring and scratching. The bottom bunk was filled with my backpack and groceries. I pushed them aside and slept hard. According to the screen in the main lobby, the ship would sail the next day. All the anxiety I had felt in the days leading up to that bunk were gone. Any kind of schedule or itinerary had no relevance anymore. The anticipation of adventure was too great to worry about anything but the present because only when you are truly living can you forget the past and future and live in the second to second. End of chapter.